This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper. I, of course, am Gwen Cooper, your host, and thrilled to be here with you at the tail end of what must be the coldest and rainiest Memorial Day weekend that I can remember possibly ever having spent it. We, you know, now, so so it's right at the end of Memorial Day now as I'm recording this, and, and it's starting to get a little bit sunny here in New Jersey, um, but it has just been cloudy and raining and, and pretty cold, actually, nonstop since Friday. It's unbelievable. It's uh, we just apparently were were not it was not on the cards for us to have a real Memorial Day weekend this year. Uh but even though you wouldn't know it to be here in New Jersey right now, summer is officially kicking off and I for one am am looking forward to a uh the the post-pandemic summer that they've been promising us and and hopefully that's going to deliver. But in the immediate short term and later on in this episode, we're going to be speaking with Sean Flynn. So Sean Flynn is an author and he also writes about cats and you should definitely check him out if you are not familiar with him already. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we speak with Sean later in today's episode. But he is really actually coming on the show to talk to us or or to tell us this amazing story about an outdoor cat who he has befriended over a period of 12 years So he started feeding this cat in his backyard 12 years ago, and this winter, he was finally able to bring her indoors and introduce him to the rest of his human and feline family and and give her finally an an indoor forever home. And it's just an incredible story and and certainly something inspirational for all of us who take care of, of outdoor cats and and dream of being able to give them a better life someday. So I am looking forward to speaking with him, and I hope you guys are looking forward to hearing from him. And I, uh, I also want to put in a little plug here, as long as we're speaking about our favorite authors. Uh, of course, Cy Montgomery, a famous naturalist, New York Times bestselling author, National Book Award finalist. She was She's a friend of the show. She was on the podcast um, a few weeks ago. Actually, we did a two-part interview with Cy Montgomery, and, and it was certainly our honor and our pleasure to have her here on the show with us. And, and just to put in a plug for those of you who are fans and enthusiasts of her work, although this is not a book about cats, per se, or not even per se, it, it is actually not a book about cats. But Simon Montgomery does have a new book out, and it's called The Hummingbird's Gift, Wonder, Beauty, and Renewal on Wings. And it is just an absolutely gorgeous book. And if you are an animal lover, which chances are you probably are if you're listening to this show, and if you are a fan of Simon Montgomery's, 
then I absolutely encourage you to check this book out. It really is just beautiful. It's about a it's about hummingbirds, specifically about a woman who rescues baby hummingbirds, which are just these incredibly fragile peanut-sized little creatures and cares for them until they are big and strong and recovered enough to to live on their own in the wild. Um, so these are abandoned baby hummingbirds that she takes care of. And it's really just such an amazing story. It's such an amazing book. There, there are pages and pages of beautiful color photos in the book, by the way. And I definitely encourage anyone listening to this who is a fan of animals in general or Cy Montgomery, or certainly hummingbirds, this is definitely something you want to check out. And uh, speaking of, of animals and our enthusiasm for them, so this week, June 4th, is National Hug Your Cat Day. I don't know how many of you guys already knew that or have it marked on your calendars. Um, if you are like me, probably every day in your house is National Hug Your Cat Day, whether or not your cat actually appreciates it. You know, I will say that my cat's like to hug me. Uh, Clayton in particular, he lo- he practically lives in my lap and he is a very touchy, feely little cat. He's pretty much always on top of me. He's actually sitting in my lap now. I'm I'm trying to uh to poke and prod him a little. I'm I'm hoping he will he will meow and give some sign of his presence. But they don't, you know, my cats don't necessarily like it when I'm the one hugging them, when I'm the one grabbing and squeezing them. So not every cat is into that, but June 4th is National Hug Your Cat Day. So definitely uh, give your kitties a, a squeeze. If they won't let you give them a full-on hug, give them a little a little love pat or a little, uh, just a little squeeze. You know, I, I can't be, and I am a big fan. I am all for anything that celebrates cats. I love National Hug Your Cat Day, National Black Cat Day, National Cat Appreciation Day. Uh, I'm definitely an enthusiast of all these things, but I can't be the only one who notices that there just seem to be a lot more of these official something days than there used to be. I don't remember, you know, even 10 years ago, there being so many like National Cheeseburger Day or I don't know, National Ice Cream Day or I'm now listing a lot of food, (laughs) a lot of food ones, which which should show you where my head is at right this second. But you know what I mean. There's uh, all, all of these different kinds of cat appreciation days, and then there's National Puppy Day. And I know that there's, you know, I remember like Mother's Day and Father's Day. And I think there was like a like a Secretary's Day thrown in there somewhere. National Grandparents Day, you know, Flag Day. Um, it just seems like there are a lot more of these really specific celebratory days than there used to be. Which is fine. I think it's great. I always think it's great to have something to celebrate. I just wonder where they all come from and what makes them official. You know, I know obviously there are some national holidays that that are official acts of Congress, but the rest of these seem to be coming from some sort of like celebratory day factory somewhere that's just churning them out. And I, for one, would love to know what that's all about and and where they're coming from and how. I could create one of my own, maybe, um, because I definitely like I would love to to have some sort of a national day. You know, we, we have National Cat Appreciation Day, which is great. I would love to have a National Cat Appreciators Appreciation Day when people like us who appreciate cats can ourselves be appreciated uh, because I, I, I feel 
that while the internet has collectively seemed to agree that cats are are funny and awesome, there's still kind of a stigma, a little bit of a stigma attached, I think, to the people who love cats. And so maybe if we had our own day, you know, and, and our own appreciation day, a cat appreciator's appreciation day, maybe that stigma would start to fade. Maybe we could do away with some of the ignorance around the the kind of person who loves cats. And of course, there is no kind of person who loves cats except for, you know, an awesome person. And uh, and speaking of that, I'm just all about the segues today. I'm just zipping right through. So I, I think some of you guys, uh, hopefully most of you listening to this are already familiar with my book, The Book of Possum. And that's like the word awesome, but with a P at the beginning, The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. And as you know, I am hard at work. I have been for the last month or so on a sequel to that book, which is going to be coming out in just a few weeks. And that book is called You Are Possum, Reasons Why Your Cats Love You and Why Loving Them Back Makes You a Better Person. And so the first book, the, the title is pretty self-descriptive, right? It's it's just great things that we love about cats. And, and so it's everything from head bonks and raspy tongues to the fact that cats are excellent judges of character, that, that cats are nature's comedians, um, various funny and wonderful things that cats do. It's It's a fun book. And so this book kind of takes the opposite approach. This is why do we, we know so the, the first book is talking about why we love our cats. And the second book is going to talk about why our cats love us, the things that we do that make our cats happy. And so I've got like a great list so far that I'm writing my way through and and these are just really really fun books to write. I hope you guys have at least half as much fun reading them as I have writing them, because I've written many books and certainly many books about cats at this point in my long and storied literary career. Um, but the the possum books are are definitely the most fun for me. I just have so much fun. I look forward every morning to getting up and working on this book. And, and it's been a great joy. And I would love to hear from you guys about some of the things that you do for your cats or for cats in general that you know makes them happy. And, you know, I've talked, uh, like today I wrote, for example, uh, a, a great little kind of mini essay. Um, you guys have heard me talk previously about my cats who are very social cats. They are very into people. They are very friendly. They are nobody's idea of, of feral cats or, or, or anything approaching that. Um, but they are weirdly skittish about certain things. And one thing... For example, like the Clayton gets very, very afraid of or or certain things on TV. And I've discussed this, like the Mad Men opening credits um, terrify Clayton for reasons I'm not quite sure of. And so we have learned when we do watch Mad Men reruns to just skip right through the credits for Clayton's peace of mind because he is always Clayton being Clayton. He's never not with me. So if I'm watching Mad Men, Clayton is watching Mad Men. So I always skip past the credits, which I'm actually now that I'm thinking about it is probably something I should add to this list. Um, but it's not always as straightforward as that. You know, sometimes there something will come up. I mean, I don't know what it is about 
the 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 Mad Men opening credits that terrifies Clayton. Or, or why that is, but you can't always predict what the next thing that terrifies him is going to be. And so watching TV with Clayton, especially for watching like a superhero movie and there's like noise or fighting or, or lasers, um, can be a little bit of a dicey experience. And so whenever something, we're watching something and something scares Clayton and he runs over to me and I scoop him up in my arms and I hold him until it's over or until we can get the volume down or until he's not scared anymore. And and so that is definitely the thing. We, we hold them when they're scared, right? This is one of the things that we all do for our cats that that makes them feel better, that makes them feel loved and secure. We hold them when they're scared. We comfort them when they're afraid. And so I have a long list of these kind of things, but I would love to hear from you guys and, and some of your ideas or some of the things that you do. And uh, please, if, if you have anything that you would like to suggest or contribute, and, and not just for this book, but for the podcast or anything that you would like to say to me in general, uh, please keep it PG-13. And you can find me on my website at Gwen cooper.com g-w-e-n-c-o-o-p-e-r.com you can reach me via email at gwen g-w-e-n at gwen cooper.com you can also leave comments on my website on the page that is dedicated to this podcast i always check out the comments and i always reply to them maybe not instantaneously but within a couple of days and so i definitely invite you to check that out as well And this is also just a heads up to my Patreon community, to my supporters at the $10 level or higher. You will this week be getting some early excerpts, some sneak peeks at the Book of Possum in progress, or I'm sorry, the sequel to the Book of Possum, to You Are Possum in progress. And I'm very excited to share that with you. And Patreon, for those of you who are not familiar, it is a a platform that basically it allows you to be a patron of artists whose work you support, appreciate, want to encourage. Um, You can be a supporter on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. And in addition to getting to support artists you care about, you get cool insider perks and things. Um, again, for example, some people this week will be get having a private chat video chat with me. Um, some will be getting sneak peeks at my books in progress. Also this month, we are going to be sending out our first round of official tote bags, curl up with a cattail tote bags with a picture of Homer on them. And the design is so, so cute. I'm so excited about it. And this is a tote bag that is only going to go to Patreon supporters, uh, to, to Patreon supporters at the $25 level or higher. So this is not something that anybody can buy anywhere. This is an exclusive kind of thing. And I'm, I'm really excited. It's such a cute design. And this is, uh, this is going to be the first month that we're sending them out. So uh, some of you guys, I get excited for that. And of course, everybody at the $5 level or higher gets a shout out at least once a month on my podcast. And so I'm going to share the names of some of my supporters right now. Now, if you are a supporter on Patreon at the $5 level or higher and you don't hear your name this week, you will hear it either next week or the week after. It's, um, it is a nice long list at this point, and I do not want to test everybody's patience by reading the whole thing at once. So this is just a partial list. And if you're looking for my Patreon page, by the way, that's Patreon, P-A-T as in Thomas, R-E-O-N as in Nancy, dot com slash Gwen Cooper. That's all one word. 
And I am would like to, I think I've discussed this on a previous podcast, but all of my Patreon supporters are enabling me to go back to school and take a course on marketing statistics and quantitative analysis that I am using to help market the self-published books that I am now writing and starting to put out. And so I, I really could not be doing any of this without you guys. And and uh, you are enabling me to to start my own business and to grow it and to to uh, to bring my love of cats to more cat lovers everywhere. And I thank you for that. I, I really I am humbled and, and grateful for your support. And with no further ado, here's a partial list of my Patreon community. Maurice Cisneros. And by the way, if I mispronounce your name, please do email me and let me know that I've missed mispronounced it so that I do not make the same mistake the next month and mispronounce your name the same way again. Uh, Maurice Cisneros, Don Cole, Ronald Coltnow, Allison Amsterdam, Christina DeSalvo, Hella Johnson, Melissa Rachko, Ken Kistner, Cynthia Erdley, Nancy Ross, let's see, Meg, whose last name is withheld, Jean WF, Emily Stafford, Jill Graves, Debbie Bradley, Amy Neal, Angela Carter, Kathy Schlichternlein, Heather Hambrick, Aldana Bermontis, Calvin and Eileen, sorry, Calvin and Eileen Keener, or is it Kiner? I'm not sure. Please let me know. Again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name. Wendy Lynch, L. Shannon Carter, Ronna Miller-Owen, Deborah Visvari, and Zoe Shino. Thank you guys so much again for your incredible support. It, it really does mean the world to me. And we're going to take a short break now for about 30 seconds or so. And when we come back, we will be speaking with Sean Flynn about the latest addition to his feline family, 12 years in the making. It's a really incredible story. So be sure to stick around for more Curl Up With a Cattail. Thanks so much for sticking around. My guest today is one of my very favorite cat authors. You may know him as the author of the touching memoir, The Kitty Who Rescued Me After I Rescued Him. And if you haven't read it yet, you definitely should. He's also a dedicated volunteer with several cat rescue organizations, as well as being a devoted cat dude for his own brood of indoor and outdoor cats. He's joining us today to tell us the story of Kina, an outdoor cat who recently came to live with him indoors. And I just know that this is going to be an amazing story. Please welcome Sean Flynn. Uh, hello, Sean Flynn. How are you? Hey, Gwen. Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on your program today. I, I am delighted to have you on. And, you know, so so for those of you listening, Sean is one of those great people who I have met through writing about my cats. And, and he also writes about his cats. And we have communi- communicated many times. Uh, we're actually in pretty frequent communication over the last several years, but this is the first time we're actually talking to each other. It's it's just so crazy, the social media universe that we live in, where you feel like you know people you, you've never actually spoken with. 
Yeah, it's great uh, that we finally get to connect directly. Do I, do I sound the way you thought I would? Does my voice sound the same as it did in your head when you were reading my book? Well, I've uh, certainly you know seen you on the internet plenty of times. I've listened to your podcasts. And so I I kind of feel like I know you pretty well already. That that is fair enough. I I have to say, just based on your pictures, I, I expected you to sound a little bit more like Paul Bunyan. That's the reason I ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with the way you sound. Just in my head, you sounded like this movie of Paul Bunyan that I had seen yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> That's funny. (laughs) But anyway, um, getting into the subject at hand, which is not trees, it's cats. And uh, yes, so so tell us how many cats do you live with currently? I currently have five indoor cats and one dog. So I have a a canine as well. So so that that is a very outnumbered dog. How, How does he relate? Does he think he's one of the cats? Well, it's it's a she. And uh, her name is Bella. We recently acquired her several months back. Unfortunately, we had a death in the family. And uh, she's an older dog. She's uh, about 12 years old. And uh, she needed a place to live. So, you know, uh, Carrie and I said, well, why don't we have Bella come here and live with us? That That is wonderful. And I would just like to say, and, and this is something I think is always that always bears reminding people of to please consider what might happen to your pets if if you are no longer around, God forbid. Um, anybody who works in rescue will tell you that there are just so many heartbreaking stories about senior animals who end up in shelters because someone passed away and none of their family or friends was willing to take their cat or their dog in. And and so it's always good to, to think about that contingency um, if there's no one who immediately comes to mind who would do so for you. Yeah, I, I certainly have made arrangements to uh, have all of my pets taken care of if uh, Carrie and I were unable to take care of them. Which is, uh, which is good to know. So how is Bella settling in with the cats? Oh, Bella's fine. I, at first, uh, you know, they were kind of uncertain. Uh, Gypsy swatted Bella in the nose once and so did Tigger. Uh, Buddy actually wouldn't even come downstairs from the second floor uh, for a couple of weeks, but everyone's totally settled in now. Well, that is good to hear. You know, I always say that when I first moved in with Lawrence, um, that my oldest cat, Scarlett, who is definitely the disciplinarian in the group. And I think in her mind, Lawrence was just the largest and most annoying cat that she had ever been forced to live with. But he was still just another cat. And um, and so she she tried to discipline him the same way she disciplined the other cats with, you know, little little swats of her paw to, to kind of bring oh, him in line. Great. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so I'm wondering what your cats m- must think of Bella having lived only among other cats for so many years. Yeah, they, they think Bella's fine. Like Tina hasn't met Bella yet, but that's because we're still kind of integrating Kina into the household. Yeah. So now I definitely want to talk about Kina. So in addition to your indoor cats, there are outdoor cats who you also feed. Yes, there are several cats. They actually come and go, but currently there's two or three of them that I see on a uh, fairly frequent basis. Uh, Kina was one of them. She actually has lived in my backyard for 12 years. I met her in 2009, the summer of 2009. I had always fed the uh, backdoor or or backyard cats since I uh, lived where I currently live. I moved here in um, 
um, 2006, and um, I uh, met uh, Tina in 2009. And, um, you know, I always thought she was a feral cat. She never let me get closer than 25 feet to her. So, um, you know, I always just thought she was a feral cat. You know, I, I fed her and, you know, put fresh water out there every morning. And uh, anyway, uh, fast forward to this past winter. We had a really cold spell. And no, I- wait, wait, I, before before you fast forward, because because that's a long fast forward over, you know, 11 or 12 years. And so my first question is, I mean, obviously there have been cold, cold winters and blizzards and bad weather in, you know, during that period of time. And yet it's only recently that that Bella has come uh, that I'm sorry, the Kina has come to live indoors with you. And so was she not around during those interviews? I mean, was, was she was she in your backyard every day for 12 years or did she sort of come and go and disappear for long periods of time? She would come and go and, and disappear, as, as you've suggested. But she's also lived in my next door neighbor's back, uh, the uh, shed in his backyard. Plus, I have what I call cat condos on the porch. I've made these like styrofoam coolers and I've, you know, packed them with straw. And uh, so uh, they, the cats generally only use those when it's really cold out. Or when there's like a big blizzard or something like that. So, so Kina would disappear then, I'm guessing, for months at a time. That there were times where there was bad weather and, and she either was, that she wasn't around, that you weren't sure where she was. Or, or did I, you know where she was? I, I wouldn't say months at a time. I mean, I, I might have gone three or four or five days without seeing her. But I definitely didn't go months without seeing her. So I guess my question is then, what was it about this past winter? And I will say, um, and, and you're in Connecticut, I believe, and, and I'm in New Jersey. So your weather has probably not been that different from mine, that our February this year was exceptionally snowy. It, it just snowed like the entire month of February or, or so it seemed to me. Of course, I'm, I'm from Miami Beach originally. So, so any snow seems like a lot of snow, but I've been up here for 20 years and, and it seemed like a very intense winter this year. Um, I don't know if that factored into your decision making, but I'm curious as to why it was this year and not, say, last year or, or five years ago or 10 years ago when you decided to try to bring Kina indoors. Well, this past winter, for us here in Connecticut, I actually think we had a mild winter, except that during a three or four week period and like uh, mid uh, January to like, you know, earlier mid February. And um it was late January. I saw, you know, I'd been seeing her hanging around the porch a lot more frequently. And it was really cold. You know, it was like zero degrees at night. One night I went out to get firewood and she was hanging out on the porch. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go get her a nice, nice warm bowl of food. So I got, got, got a, a can of cat food, heated it up in the microwave, uh, put it on the back porch and she wolfed it down. Well, anyway, she wouldn't leave the back porch after that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just kept putting warm food out for every morning and evening. And I did this for three or four or five days. And then one night I was actually able to coax her into the garage. Now, now and she- again, oh wait, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt. So you made this decision to try to bring her indoors. And, and I'm just wondering what, what was the immediate prompt for this decision? What happened that made you say, you know what, today I, I've been seeing this cat in my backyard for 12 years, but today is the day that I'm going to try to get her inside. 
because she was actually, you know, acting more friendly. I mean, she wouldn't run from the uh, back porch when I went out to get firewood, for example. And she had been running away from you more or less for 12 years, it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is a long time to to be feeding a cat um, essentially every day and have her still still not quite sure that you're a 100 percent stand up guy. And that's why I always thought she was feral. Sure. No, that makes sense. And what do you think made her decide suddenly? And, and you know, by the way, I always say to people, and, and I feel like my cat Scarlet was not feral per se. She was adopted by me as a very young kitten. But I always say that for the first three or four years, Scarlet and I were almost like roommates. Um, you know, we would kind of pass each other by. And as she was friendly, I was the only person she tolerated at all. But it was really three or four years before she became a come up and cuddle kind of a cat with me. Um, still not all the time and and never with anybody else. But I, I think a lot of people listening will will relate to this idea that it can take a long time to build a relationship with a cat, um, to, to build that kind of rapport. And it certainly sounds like it in, in this case, it sounds like it, it was 12 years in the making. And you say she started acting a little friendlier. And, and was it as subtle as that, that she wasn't running away when you came out to get firewood? Did she ever try to approach you um, and anything like that? Well, no, she, she wouldn't approach me until I mean, she lived in the garage for probably three or four weeks before she even like rubbed up against my leg. So you so you you tr- decided to try to bring her indoors. And, and was she reluctant to come inside at first? Um, yeah, she was. She wasn't sure. You know, I, I, I had the uh, uh, door to the back porch open. And again, it was like zero degrees out. So it was very cold. And she had gotten used to me giving her canned food. She had never had canned food before. I, okay. I, for the 12 years that I had been feeding her on the porch, I fed her, you know, crunchies. So, so the canned uh, food must have smelled very tempting for her. Oh, yeah. Plus, plus it was warm. And I heated it sure. up in the microwave for her. And so I kind of sat down on the step, the step to go inside the house with the door open. And I was talking to her, you know, and. And I had the bowl of food instead of putting it out on the back porch. And I kind of had it. And, uh, you know, I, so, so I kind of coaxed her in with the bowl of food and she came in. She wouldn't get near me, though. She hit on her underneath the cars. And, and, and uh, I'm sorry. Wait, and, and I'm going to interrupt you again because we've not yet described. I, I know and, and I've forgotten that that people listening do not know this. I've seen your pictures of Kina on, on Facebook and on social media. Um, but describe to us what Kina looks like. I, I want people to really be able to picture this as you're telling the story. What kind of what, what kind of a cat is she? What does she look like? Sure. She's a domestic short hair. She's all black. She weighs probably around 10 or 11 pounds, especially since she's been eating so well and put on so much weight. So, so uh, she's but- not a huge cat, but not tiny either. No, she's, you know what, a, a typical size female uh, domestic short hair. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And and so she is starting to, she tempted by by the the warm, moist food. She is starting to, to tentatively come indoors. Now, did you keep her, once she came into the garage to eat the food, did you close the door and, and keep her in or were you, was she coming, was she going back and forth between inside and outside for a while? No, I closed the door and kept her in. However, a couple of times she actually got out. Like when I was bringing in firewood or just, you know, walking through the door, she 
kind of scoot it out. But she sat down and I, you know, left the door open and was able to coax her back in and she came right, right back in. Did it seem so, stressful for her indo- being indoors once you got her in, once she'd finished eating? Um, actually, I don't think so, because I think she, it was almost like she was relieved. Now, if we put a, a nice uh, a cat bed out there with a litter box and, you know, bowl of water and, uh, uh, you know, right next to her food bowl. So she knew that 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 was kind of like, you know, we were making that for her. That was her kind of like safe place. And and the and the reason I want to emphasize this, by the way, is because, I you know, I think a lot of people listening um, will probably have fed a backyard cat or or may be in the ongoing process of feeding a backyard. I have a backyard cat who I feed. Um, and, and of course I always emphasize on, on the show, the difference between feral cats and, and domestic cats. And, and it can be difficult to tell. And sometimes a cat who initially started out in a home has been outside for so long that, that you can't really tell. Um, but I, you know, I do want people listening to this and, and maybe becoming encouraged at the idea of, of trying to, to convert an outdoor cat into being an indoor cat to keep in mind that you do always have to follow the cat's lead that even if it seems very obvious to you that life is better indoors than outdoors you you want to make sure that you're not making things stressful for the cat because that that is going to be ultimately bad for both of you oh i i wholeheartedly agree 100 percent, absolutely yeah it, it has to be their idea or at least they have to think it's their idea <laughs> absolutely 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 Every step that Kina and I have taken together since January, it's been her idea. You know, no, I was going to say that that's that's great to hear. So, so tell us a little bit more. So she, so she started. You know, not she start. She seemed okay and and kind of relieved to be inside, and and she was warming up to the food and and to the shelter that you were providing. And so, what happened next? Sure. Uh, well, I had to, uh, of course, take her to the vet. I wanted to get her spayed. I wanted to, uh, you know, get flea and tick treatment for her. I wanted to, uh, you know, get her shots, things like that. So uh, I made an appointment, or, or actually the uh, cat rescue organization here in Enfield that I'm affiliated with, we were able to make an appointment for me to take Kina to the vet in March. Well, as it turned out, she had already been spayed. Interesting. And now she is not... Her ear's not been lopped in any way, which is usually with, with a TNR program where a feral cat is, is spayed or neutered and then returned to their original uh, environment, let's say, to the, to, the, to the territory they were originally occupying. Um, usually the rescue organization will, will lop, will, will ear tip the cat so that somebody looking can tell that this cat has already been spayed or neutered. And so nobody had done that in this case. So you were thinking that, that some, she may have actually been somebody's cat at one point. Yeah. Um, you know, originally my theory was that she was a feral cat. Well, after taking her to the vet and knowing that she had already been spayed, the new theory is that she had been dumped as a very young cat, that she had gotten spayed and wh- whoever owned her at the time, you know, decided that they, they didn't want a cat anymore. That, you know, if that is true, it is then remarkable that she has survived 12 years as an outdoor cat and almost certainly entirely because she happened to end up in your backyard, I would think. Well, yeah, I think it's absolutely amazing. It's unheard of 
for uh, you know a feral cat to live that long um, in someone's backyard. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's possible for a stray cat because you know if they've already been fixed, then they're less likely to get into fights with other cats, and uh, you know it helps to you know calm them down a bit, sure. as I know you know. So um, you know, uh, yeah, t- t- I mean, t- twelve years. It's absolutely amazing that that she you know survived so long without any medical treatment or medical care for that time. And uh, you know, I, I just think, think it's amazing, and I'm absolutely thrilled that she decided to come into the garage that night. So, so she has been living now in, inside your house, or at least inside the garage of your house. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about what the the progression in your relationship with her has been. Well, when I uh, brought her home from the vet in March, um, I actually moved her to the basement. So I put her litter box and her bed and her food and water bowls in the basement in my workshop. And that's where where she had a, a lived for uh, several weeks, four or five weeks, maybe. But when she was still living in the garage, uh, I had mentioned that it was several weeks before she started rubbing up against my leg and rubbing up against my hand. And then out of the blue one day, when I was sitting on the milk crate, you know, just talking to her and. And, uh, you know, letting her rub against my leg, she jumped up on my lap. Again, again, her idea, she jumped up on my lap. Did your your heart just melt when she did that? It must have. It's been 12 Uh, years. And now all of a sudden this cat who you have been taking care of, who wouldn't let you near her for 12 years has just jumped into your lap. Your, my heart would have been a puddle on the floor at that oh, point. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but and you know, I was able to pet her a little, little more. She was still kind of like a little freaked out. Like if, if I would pet her too much, she would kind of hiss or, you know, sure, m- m- maybe like swat me. Once she even nipped me a little. Okay. So it, it was just, all to just, be expected. Yeah, a tiny little nip on the hand. So you know, I kind of like stopped petting her. But, you know, I, I had to pet her very gently. I had to pet her very deliberately. You know, I couldn't, like, rub her like I do my other cats. Sure. And, uh, you know, um, uh, of course, when she moved into the basement, I would uh, go downstairs and maybe watch the, you know, the evening news or something. And I'd open the door to my workshop and she'd come out and I'd be, uh, you know, sitting in my chair in front of the TV. And she would come over and jump up on my lap and she would rub against me and she would lay down and she would roll over. And again, I would pet her a little more. But again, you know, very carefully, very gently, very rolling over is huge. I mean, that the fact that she rolled over for you is huge. Uh, oh, I agree. She showed me her belly uh, the day I brought her home. Uh, well, actually, I, th- I, th- I think it was the day after I brought her home from the vet. She rolled over and showed me her shaved belly. <laughs> that that that's big. That that's a really uh, definitely a really big sign of trust for sure. Yep. Um, yeah. And and so where actually. Before we get to where you stand now, I just wanted you know to ask you. So you are a volunteer with several cat rescue organizations. Do you do any work with with stray or feral cats, trying to habituate them to human contact or or get them comfortable being indoors with people? I mean, was this something you had experience with before Kina, or has this all been a, a sort of instinctive progression with the two of you? Well, I've been um, rescuing. 
astray and abandoned cats personally since 2006 when I first lived or or when I first moved to the house where I currently live. Uh, That's, of course, when I met uh, Kitty. He had been living in my backyard and I started feeding him on the back porch and he was real friendly. Uh, As for the cat rescue, the the primary cat rescue group that I uh, participate here uh, in Enfield, Connecticut, where I live, it's the Enfield Community Cat Project. I help them with their like promotional and marketing activities. So I I don't actually uh, go out and uh, uh, catch any of these cats directly, although I have helped by, you know, taking some of the cats that have, uh, you know, uh, been rescued by the group. You know, I'll see a post about a cat that they rescued and it's It's always the ones that are like the worst off. Yeah, a a little over a year ago during the the height of the pandemic, I became aware of a cat uh, through Enfield Community Cat Project that had been um, abandoned by its former owner. They moved and just left them, you know, kind of like opened the door and pushed them out into the backyard and they moved. And th- this was in the fall. And so he spent the entire winter outside. Yeah. And fortunately, a neighbor contacted one of the Enfield Community Cat Project people. And they were able to go get him. And that's when I became aware of him. But he was in really rough shape. He could barely even walk. He was covered in mats, covered in oh. fleas. He, he was in really bad shape. That is uh that is very disturbing to hear. I, you know, so, so, and, and I do want to talk about your book a little bit, but so it seems to me, if I'm understanding this correctly, that before 2006, prior to moving into your current home, uh, you were not much of a cat person. You, you hadn't, you didn't have much experience with cats. You hadn't lived with cats. Is, is that true? Or, or am I, am I making assumptions? No, correct. Absolutely. You're right. I mean, I, um, uh, it's not like I didn't like cats. I just didn't have much experience. You didn't have experience. So this is what I would love to hear a little bit more about where things stand with you and Keenan now. And then to go back and talk about this cat, who you wrote your memoir about and and how he was the cat who made you fall in love with cats. Because um, I think that that's definitely interesting too. So where do things stand with you and Keenan now? Well, Kina has since been moved up to one of the bedrooms. Very and, so now she's in the house proper. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and she absolutely loves it now. You know, uh, w- once every day or so, I'll like open the door and try to get her to come out. But she knows her safe spots in the bedroom. She's come out in the hallway. She's walked down the steps, two or three uh, steps, but she hasn't come downstairs yet. She has met Phoebe. And she has met Buddy, but she hasn't met the the other cats. Or or the dog. The dog might rock her world a little bit. Correct. She hasn't (laughs) met the dog yet either. The dog might made her say, you know, at least when I was outside, I didn't have to deal with all the, with with dogs. (laughs) So, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's coming along. She's great. I mean, uh, uh, you know, we're slowly trying to integrate her because we don't want to overwhelm her. And that's why she's only met uh, Phoebe. And in fact, earlier today, Phoebe was in the uh, bedroom with us and she was hanging out and, uh, you know, Phoebe and her touched the nose, noses, <laughs> which definitely was definitely a cute. good sign. It's, it's like shaking hands, sort of. Absolutely. <laughs> so it was very cute. But but that's where we are now. You know, she's she's uh, still in the bedroom. She hasn't come out of the bigger house 
but she's real, real sweet. She's real cute. The relationship that uh, she and I have developed is just phenomenal. Uh, you know, as uh, we talked about earlier, she shows me her belly. She loves getting, you know, you know she, she loves it when I pet her. Uh, she sleeps next to me every night. Aww. And you know, she's a little purring machine too. <laughs> that is oh, that is so great to hear. And uh, so, so it sounds to me that that Kina and all of your cats owe a debt, although they probably don't realize it, to the first cat, Kitty, who came into your life and and who I guess converted you from a guy who never thought about cats one way or the other into a guy who now has five cats and counting. Um, so, so tell us, tell us a little bit actually about the book. You wrote a book about Kitty and that book is called uh, the Kitty who rescued me after I rescued him. And why don't you tell us a little bit about this book that you've written? Sure. It's a, it's a great story. It's, um, a story about me and my cats, but focusing on the first cat I rescued, which I named Kitty and, uh, you know, the positive impact he had on me and how having him in my life helped me through a, a difficult time. And and what was going on in your life when you first encountered this cat? Well, um, at the time I had uh, moved into my home with uh, my ex-wife. And unfortunately, that mar- marriage didn't last very long. And, uh, you know, Kitty had been, uh, I, I had immediately started feeding Kitty in the backyard because he that's where he was living when I moved in. He was a real cool cat. He would, uh, you know, uh, uh, hang out with me just about every night on the back porch. He would jump up on my lap and rub against me. If I was doing yard work in the uh, yard, you know, one weekend, he would hang out in the grass with me. And he was just a really cool cat. So he adopted you, it sounds like. Pretty much, yep. And and again, I think that's something that a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners are going to be able to relate to. And and did you eventually bring him to live indoors with you? Absolutely. I, I moved into the house that I currently live in in June of 2006. And uh, that fall, when it started getting really cold out, um, you know, I I put one of those um, swinging two way doors in, in the door to the back porch so that he could come in and he, he would have a, you know, a warmer place to stay. And uh, I put a big pillow in the corner for him next to a, uh, a bowl of food and, and uh, water. And he would be lying on his pillow every morning when I would leave to go to work. <laughs> well, a late fall, it was like uh, late November, early December. It was really cold one morning. And he looked up at me with his beautiful green eyes. And he said, dude, just let me in the house. <laughs> and I told him I told him that I would. So that Saturday, I took him to the local groomer to uh, get all the fleas and ticks taken off him. And so he could get his shots. And uh, anyway, uh, when I brought him home, he became an indoor cat that day and he never looked back. It sounds to me like he sensed within you that you were always meant to be a cat guy before you even knew that about yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and and cats are really smart about the uh, knowing things about us, by the way. Um, well, listen, Ed, where can people find this book if they want to read it? It's, it's a wonderful book, by the way, and I definitely encourage people listening to check it out. And where can they find it? Sure. It, it's The Kitty Who Rescued Me After I Rescued Him. Um, it's available, you know, through, uh, j- just about anywhere books are sold. You can get it from Barnes and Noble. If they don't have it in stock, you can order it 
from uh, barnesandnoble.com. Uh, certainly, it's available on Amazon. It's available as a uh, Kindle download. It's also available via paperback. And uh, from Barnes & Noble, it's available from paperback or as a Nook download for those who use the Nook devices. And do you have a, a website or social media accounts where people who want to check out Kina or see more about your book or, or see pictures of the rest of your family, any place where they can look for you online? Sure, absolutely. I am actually, uh, as you know, I, I use uh, social media frequently. Yes, I'm pretending like I don't know this. I mean, obviously, you and I have been hanging out <laughs> together on social media for years. But for the people listening, let's, sure, where can sure. they find you? Uh, it's it's uh, Sean Flynn. Uh, on Facebook, it's Sean Flynn. That's S-H-A-W-N-F-L-Y-N-N. And my uh, avatar is me with a black and white cat. That's my personal Facebook page or my uh, author page is seanflynn.author. And that's at Facebook. And my my um, author avatar is me with a cat sitting behind a table next to my book. Well, hopefully there aren't a lot of other uh, cat loving Sean Flynn's out there to to confuse <laughs> listeners. But But you've been very specific. Well, Sean, certainly we wish you and and Kina such a long and and wonderful life together. It's just such an amazing thing that you've done for this cat and for all of the cats that you have rescued. And thank you so much for for taking time out of your busy cat rescuing schedule and writing schedule to come and join us on Curl Up with a Cat Tail. Well, thank you, Gwen. I've uh, you know certainly enjoyed being a guest on your program, and uh, you know uh, I, I hope you and your kitties are having a great day. Well, thank you so much. And thanks so much to all of you for listening today. Be sure to check us out again next week. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.